Welcome to Flow Hack. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Welcome to episode one of of Thought Hack. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to all of our sponsors, Sense Story Products. Um, you should check them out. Of course, our our main sponsor, Blue Microphone. Um, love their products. We're actually recording this and all of our podcasts on their equipment. Audio quality is top notch, and we we couldn't think of a, a better partner for this project. Um, thanks to uh, the team over at Catalyst Case. Um, we've had a long relationship with those guys and you'll never see me using any product but on any of my devices, whether it be my phone or my, my watch or like, you know, any of my, um, my devices, my AirPods, so on and so forth. And of course, uh, Wildhorn Outfitters. So check those guys out at wildhornoutfitters.com. So. For this first episode, I'm I'm very proud to to introduce our our guest uh, Matthew Knowles. You may know uh, Matthew Knowles from being the manager from many musical groups, uh, especially Destiny's Child, and for being um, Beyonce's father. But Matthew is is an author. He's written several books, and his last book. Destiny's Child, The Untold Story, um, I think is is going to be a big one. Hi, Mr. Knowles. How are you? I'm good today. How are you? I'm great. So uh, congratulations on the book. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Read uh, a good amount of the book. I'm still working my way through it. And um, uh, basically, uh, my sister was a huge Destiny's Child fan, so I, I paid close attention. And there there was a lot of insight. What What inspired you to write the book? Well, a number of things inspired me to, to write the book. Um, I'm an author. This is my fifth book. So I, I purposely, before I got into writing any type of Destiny Shaw book or any music-related book, I wanted to uh, really solidify myself as an author. Um, and, and that was first. The second thing is... Um, I have been writing as with all my books, they're in my head and uh then they come out one one by one. So I had literally been writing this book for a year and a half, two years. Uh after my uh scare with cancer in July, uh it just made it more of a sense of urgency for me uh to get this book out. Uh and I wanted to get it out uh during the holidays. Uh, just from a, also a strategic standpoint. So all of those things combined uh, is why I wrote the book. And it's a story also that uh, has not been told completely uh, correct. There's been a number of people who's commented about uh, the journey of Destiny's Child starting from girls' time uh, to today. And I wanted some of those people who were there. Uh, there's 10 people in the book starting with a young lady who was one of the first members of Girls' Time, uh, all the way up to um, Dwayne Wiggins, that, who did a production deal and did the first album, uh, who signed the girls, and then on to Columbia Records, a few people. Uh, 
that's why I wanted to write the book also. So it was a combination of all of those things, clarity, timing, um, because I am an author. Uh, had I just wrote that book and that was my first book, you know, people would be like, oh, he had an agenda. But, you know, DNA of Achievers, that was a bestseller, fortunately. Racism from the eyes of a child, emancipation of slaves through music, uh, media, public relations and media to Destiny's Child, an untold story, solidifies me as an author. Yeah, and um, the the book from what I've read so far is incredibly well written. I I wanted to touch on something. the The minute I I spoke to um the the people that I guess handled the both of us in terms of setting this up, the first thing that came to my mind because you know I'm a I'm a father myself. You're arguably one of the most successful manager parents in in history. You're up there with like you know Serena Williams' dad, and I, I can't really think of many others. How did you successfully balance? being a manager and a father? Well, first, before I answer that, Reginald, I want to say thank you for acknowledging uh, that there are black fathers uh, that have spent the time and, and put in the work with their kids. Um, I love uh, Mr. Williams, uh, Joe Jackson. Yes. We look at Tiger Woods' dad. We look at Michael Jordan' dad. Uh, we look at the kid with Golden State Warriors. Uh, who am I thinking? Uh, Steph Curry's um, dad. Say his name again. Yeah. Uh, uh, Seth Curry's dad. Yeah, Steph Curry's Steph dad. Curry, yeah. Great fathers, and it's about dang time that dads get <laughs> acknowledged uh, for for doing a good job as parents, first and foremost. Uh, you know, it's difficult uh, when you have to balance that role of a manager and father. Uh, fortunately, by owning a business and having relatives that work there, and uh, you you learn, I learned somewhat how to have some balance with that. Because when I'm in work mode, I'm 100% in work mode, um, and that 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 again is difficult. I'm fortunate that I had some corporate experience that helped me along the way uh, to be a better manager. Going back to school. Um, going, taking uh, every seminar that I could. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, I'm just proud of what, uh, you know, Destiny Shaw has accomplished, Beyonce and Solange. And, you know, as a father and as a parent, and, and my former wife, Tina, did an exceptional job as well. Uh, we just wanted to surround our kids with whatever their passion was. And that was our role is to identify and I, and I, in the book, I talk about this, the parents, our role is to identify early what our kids love, not their hobby, but what they love and surround them with all the things that can help them be successful. Can't be my dream. It should be their dream. And that's, and that's a tricky thing, right? To basically just mentally check yourself and make sure that it's all about your, your kid. Because as a parent, it, it might be easy to kind of like mix the two up, right? Yeah, fortunately, I, I, I talk to parents. Uh, my wife has friends, actually, who all they do is talk about their kids all the time, which is annoying as hell to me. Uh, but, um, 
You know, I, I, I just, I, as a, a college professor of 12 years, I've seen in a classroom uh, young minds that want to do other things and their parents force them to do something or uh, forcing them to do something. You know, knowledge is not always going to college. Knowledge you can get from a trade. You can get knowledge from many places. Uh, and some of these kids want to do something different and when you force a child to do something uh it uh, or to get a degree or be, be a doctor because you are a doctor or be an attorney because you are an attorney or uh, engineer because you are an engineer that never works out it it's a short term it's very short term it never works out and you have a person that's really frustrated in their life because they're doing something they're not passionate about. I mean, and again, congratulations to you because you, I mean, not only is, is your daughter successful, but she is, and, and it's crazy when you, like, you sit and think about it. I don't know if it, it ever, like, hits you in that way, but she's maybe one of the most famous people in on the planet. Well, yeah. well, I, I'm, I'm just grateful and with yeah. gratitude, but. The thing that I'm most gratitude have gratitude for is uh, she's a really good person uh, that I often say will yes. be as polite with the janitor as she would with the president of the United States. She would be equally polite to both of them. Wouldn't pass a homeless person by and not say hello. She seems incredibly well adjusted for someone who's dealt with fame. And we've seen so many like celebrity children grow up like and like, you know, just become these unfortunate, fortunate stories. How do you grow up around that and just continue to be a well adjusted person? Like, how does someone maintain that? Well, I like to think with the success that um, her mother had in her, in her business and the success that I had in corporate America, um, she grew up uh, in a different environment that she got to see her, her parents' success and failure, their work ethics, um, and, and she saw that. And both her and Salon saw that. And so that's, that's a different type of child that uh, grows up with both parents in the home. Um, you know, I, I love one of the songs Solange has, you know, what do you say when your dad dies, uh, when your dad drives a Jaguar, your mother drives a Volvo, and your mother is extremely beautiful. What do you say as a kid? <laughs> you know, so uh, they grew up in a different environment. I'll just leave it at that. Sort of, and this is going to be like, you know, a, a crazy segue, but um, I, I wanted to also touch on um, the the cancer scare you, you mentioned earlier. You're you're writing the book. And I mean, I, I don't know the status of um, the the cancer situation currently. You're writing the book and you have this sort of hanging over your head. How do you how do you process that as you're writing the book? With like, I mean, what what I would imagine is like one of the craziest mental spaces a human being could be in. A good, a good question. You know, I uh, uh, within twenty years of diagnostic imaging and literally sold mammography equipment for eight years and MRI and CT scanners and neurosurgical specialists. Uh, so I had some knowledge of uh, this 
the cancer that I have. Uh, I'm fortunate it was so early in the detection stage because I firmly believe in going to a doctor immediately uh, that it's what stage 1A. Uh, I'm fortunate I don't have radiation treatment or any of that. I take one pill. Uh, however, though, I have a BRCA gene mutation. Uh, and what that means is that I have a higher risk of prostate, um, cancer, uh, melanoma, uh, and, and, you know, that I have a higher risk of that. And so having known, had knowing that, you know, it, it puts a sense of urgency on life. Uh, I, I look at life differently. Uh, I don't know the future. So it made me want to get this project out faster so, I, so that I could tell my story because some of the story is, has not been told accurately. And I, I feel like, like you know gripping with your mortality like that could do one of two things it can basically motivate you and sort of put this batter in your back that you know pushes you forward or it could immobilize you and was there was there a point where you were looming in between or did you immediately hop to when when you found out well i really like how you said that reginald i'm probably probably gonna steal that because you worded oh, that so well uh, but, uh, no, really, I, I like how you worded that. Uh, but it, it, it was me. I, anyone that knows me, I'm just not the guy that's just gonna go and hide in the corner. Uh, it, it, it really gave me the fuel to just, you know, wanna do more and, um, and, and do it the best of my ability. And, you know, again, there's other things that, uh, I have on my plate now that, you know, they were kind of, you know, two years from now, three years from now, that's now moved up sooner. Uh, but more importantly, as I began to think and of the word legacy, uh, it was important for me to, to get this book out, to tell the story accurately. Uh, and the, the most uh, sad thing is even when I tell the story, the media then says something totally different that's not even in the book which is ridiculous well how do, how do you how do you deal with that also because i feel like one of the the scariest things about fame to me especially myself being like this super private person is one people are constantly digging through your trash so to speak they're constantly trying to like you know invade your privacy figure out your business and then on top of that if they don't get it exactly right then like you know the, the truth can, like, I mean, lies travel faster than the truth. By the time you can come out and tell an accurate version of the story, the, the lie or the, the misinformation is circulated so many times. It's, it's hard to fight the narrative. How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. You're, 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 you're true in some of that for me. Uh, for me, the first part, uh, is not as true uh, about people digging into the, uh, you know, trying to find things. I, I don't get that. Uh, I don't think what I'm, I, I'm experiencing is something uh, personal to me. I just think it's the marketplace that we live in now and the world that we live in where uh, we no longer really have journalism. 
75% of the time, my name is spelled incorrect. You know, M-A-T-T-H-E-W instead of the correct way. I'll make sure we spell it right. <laughs> M-A-T-H-E-W. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just we, we don't have journalists. We, we have bloggers and we have sensationalism. And the real truth of how this works, and I think it's important to your listeners to understand it, because we pray, the industry preys on people because they P-R-E-Y because they don't understand it. It's about selling advertising. Always follow the dollar. You're going to see an article on me. It's going to either say Matthew knows Beyonce's daddy or it's going to say Beyonce daddy Matthew knows. And that is because there are keywords in analytics and search engine optimization. Yes. And and this is not about the story. It's about today I need a story. Make up something. I don't care what it is, Reginald. I need you to make up something. Yeah. Put Beyonce's name in it. I don't give a damn what it is and how you do it. And and and, and because we have to sell some advertising today and our numbers are down. And, and so people don't understand that. They don't understand that this is just a business. And so I don't get as aggravated and and upset because i know how it works it's to me i feel like social media has created this monster that constantly has to be fed so i mean at some point you know real stories don't come out as often i mean people's lives aren't like you know a, a series of catchy like you know titles so eventually people are going to make stuff up if you go back in time and you're you're um you're raising your girls and you're building what becomes destiny's child in an age of social media do you think it's the same do you think uh social media platforms like twitter or instagram changed the way your business is done back then or do you think the age or the time that you did it in was was perfect yeah you know i i've been asked that before and what Folks don't know, in the late 90s, when we got into the business, 96, 97, uh, you know, you had social media. It was just differently. It was on, you know, you go to a website, and then it would have a chat room. And that's the same thing. Uh, so the whole concept of social media is new, is, is, is erroneous. Uh, because I know many days, many nights, I was up on the destinychild.com site in the chat room, chatting with people and my team, uh, chatting with people, giving them the correct information. But the, the, again, the thing today is you don't know what the agenda is of the person who's saying something on social media. You don't even know how old they are. I've seen people possibly arguing with a 10-year-old. You know, you don't even know how old they are, and you don't know what agenda that they have. It could be your competitor. It could be someone who is mad at you, uh, and just you can say, and you said it well. By the time you try to get control of this narrative, uh, people, unfortunately, more so our people of color, yeah. believe what's on social media. There's a reason why the Russians chose black people to manipulate during the our past presidential election. I'll say that again. The Russian chose black people. Why why do you because, think that is? Sorry, go ahead. 
because we're so emotional and we don't take a moment and stop, take a deep breath and just intellectually think, does this make sense or not? We are very emotional creatures, unfortunately. And when someone's emotional, they're very vulnerable. Yeah, I I agree a hundred to ten percent in terms of our um our culture and our people being like hyper emotional. And I think people use that like brands, companies, like it it's definitely used to to our detriment. I I don't know what we could do different. I think the genie's kind of out of the bottle now as far as social media and the way people consume information now. So I, I'm not sure if there's a way to go back. No, I, I don't think there there's a way to go back. However, I do think with any successful merging business that you will begin to see mergers happen in the social media entertainment space. I think you begin to see, see record labels. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if one day Spotify, Sony, and Facebook were all one company. You know, I think you'll begin to see that in the future, that type of uh, merger happening. And I think you will have more uh, procedures and processes and control. Um, I also think that uh, you'll begin to see some police jurisdiction and some of the things, especially some kids who I, I just recently, one of the social media companies uh, is, is, is uh, abandoning, uh, disbanding uh, the whole like concept. Yeah. Uh, and, Instagram, I, and I yeah. think that was to m- uh, mitigate their legal woes because, you know, these some of these kids have been, you know, bullied to kill themselves. So I, I think you're going to become this, see uh, some legal liability on some of these sites, you're going to see some people get hit with some lawsuits as they hurt people's credibility and careers with meaningfully, purposely saying things to to hurt someone's uh, reputation. Me building my my company from scratch, I I often find it hard to motivation is almost just this thing that is a buzzword now because you oftentimes wake up in the morning and you don't feel like doing anything. You're burnt out. You've had a rough week. What what gets you up in the morning? One word, passion. And as you were saying that, I was saying, I don't ever feel that way. As, as you were saying those words, I was like, damn, I don't ever feel that way. Why? Because I love my passion. This is fun. I get to have fun Every day, every day, I go home. I'm fortunate. I have this beautiful wife. We laugh before we go to sleep. We every night laugh two, three hours, just watch TV in a bed and laugh. So I get to live my passion, live it with my best friend, and enjoy life. Oh, I, I mean- don't take this stuff as serious as some people do. When you were initially starting out and you were um, pre-Destiny's Child and you were basically building this corporate success and even post-Destiny's Child and during that whole era where you were essentially building this this musical empire, so to speak, you never had a day where you hit a wall or was it just passion drove you? Oh, yeah. I've, yeah, I've had a day that I've hit a wall, but I'm just speaking in a general sense. Yeah. 
but certainly there's there's been a day uh, that I was just physically emotionally tired. Um, yeah, that that's that has happened. I, I I was thinking from just more of a general sense. How how did you push past that that instance? I don't know. I have to drill way back to even think when that was. Um, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to get there, man. Yeah, yeah. It's a hey. It's a great place to be yeah. because when you're there, you sound happy, and a lot. A lot happens. I mean, you hear my energy in the, my answer. Because when you're at that place where you get to live your true passion every day, uh, you know, it's like, why would I care about what someone says about me who don't even know me? I'm never going to see in my life. I get to go to my nice house every day, be with my family and friends, do a job that I live. Why would I let that bother me? That sounds why, amazing. why would I let that negative energy? I don't care. Why would I want to get upset with someone who, you know, you know, might not be as fortunate and have anger and they have some psychological stuff they're dealing with? Why would I? I just wouldn't allow. I won't allow that negativity on me. I just keep moving forward, doing what I do. Because there's a whole lot of people that don't do social media, or if they do, they do it for information purposes. And there's so many people out there that are intellectual, not so much emotional, and you surround yourself with those people. My friends, they don't do social media. These are grown-ass people that make a lot of money that would care less what some 25-year-old is saying. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I get that. I get being in that place. I'm, I'm curious. You, I mean, it sounds like you're in a great, positive place. You've been in the music industry for years. You've had like a massive amount of success. Have you ever thought about taking that knowledge and possibly going back in and helping other artists or possibly revisiting that? No, I do it. I do it all the time. This is my 12th year teaching. Uh, at HBCUs, eight years at Texas Southern University, eight years. Uh, now I'm at Prairie View A&M. This is, will be my second semester there. I will be, and I've guest lectured from Harvard to Cornell, Cornell to Howard to Alabama A&M, UCLA, 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 and I can go on and on and on. Uh, that's my give back. Uh, I'm a public speaker, motivational speaker. Those are my give backs, and I'm an author. Uh, that's how I give back. Yeah, and I mean that that sounds amazing, especially the part about the the HBCUs. In in terms of the the music industry, and I don't want to like you know harp on this too much. It's changed a lot since um, you initially entered it. Do you think it's harder to navigate that world now, or is it easier, especially with the toxic social media environment and how that's affected so many artists negatively? Well, I think fundamentally it's still the same. I think, some, as you said, some of our marketing approaches are different. Um, still, you have to have a great song. Uh, to me, it has always started with a great song. Uh, you still have to have uh, artists that has talent, that has passion, work ethics, that will listen. 
uh, you have to have our artists, especially females, that understand imaging and, and how important imaging is. You have to have someone that want to understand how to connect with their fan base and how to be an entertainer instead of a rapper and a singer. Uh, those fundamental things are still the same, and the fundamental principles of being an A-list artist are those things and having a great team around you. Now, the marketing approach has changed, yes. The sales approach has changed. We're in streaming now. But streaming is just another form of radio. It's, you know, now we have playlists, the whole thing. So, you know, it's just tomato, tomato, uh, social media. You no, know, it has some of its uh, positive and negatives. If you're going on a tour or, you know, in a concert, then it's a positive. If you're a good performer and somebody's saying, hey, man, I'm at this Beyonce concert, it's off the wall, it's off the chain, you need to get here. But then also, you could say, I'm at this concert and it's whack. Don't waste your time. And it's information that people have now. So it the challenge is for you to be the very best at what you do. But fundamentally, the fundamental approaches, you can't microwave the music and entertainment industry. Folks have tried and have failed repeatedly. You might have one hit, two albums, but you don't have a career. We can already start thinking about people that's dropped off who three years ago, everybody was jumping up and down about. And they've already dropped off. Especially the soul brand. I think that applies to many businesses. It's like, you know, you're not able to microwave success. And I think people that think short term and try to sprint instead of like, you know, run the, the marathon. Right. Yeah, they, they get burnt out. Yes. You being in such a positive place right now in your life, do you feel completely fulfilled? Is there is there anything left that you feel like you you want to accomplish? Any other mountains you feel like you want to climb? No, I want to stay, stay in my space. Um, you know, there's some assets of Destiny's Child. I I want to get out to the marketplace uh, in the next 24 months. Um, you know, there's three books that I want to write. I do. My next book will be on artist management, artist management 101. Uh, then following that will be entrepreneurship 101. Uh, and then following that will be, uh, I've already titled it, When I Look Back. Um, so, you know, I think that far in advance and I start working that far in advance. I've already, uh, on chapter two, probably two, three hundred pages on this artist management book. Uh, there's not a lot of great managers out there like it used to be. And, uh, I, I want to give knowledge, hopefully. So yes, there's some things that I want to do that I still haven't done. Uh, I think the day that I sit down and and hide up under a desk, I, I desk. I think that will be uh, the uh, mortality of my life. I, I I don't think that's something for me. I want to keep engaged. I want to keep moving. I want to stay around young people. Uh, you know, learn. I want to continue to learn. Also, I, I continuously learn. Uh, and so I, I love that. I mean, I'm still fairly young, I guess, but I can't I can't imagine retirement. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. I have a, a friend of mine's father who 
used to work for Habitat for Humanity. He was like a incredibly strong guy. He was, I, I believe he was in his late 80s, early 90s. And when the organization, I guess, forced him to retire, I guess I, at some point there are liabilities and so on and so forth. But this guy was full steam ahead. After they made him retire, like it was almost like his body started to break down and, you know, he started to get sick. And I, I think it was just something about just sitting still. And not having a purpose. Yeah, and it's the emotional part that goes with it that uh, challenges the physical. I've seen it happen time and time again. And uh, I've seen it so much that I know that I don't want to be that person. Yeah, I, I agree 110%. So you're you're choosing now to release all of this Destiny's Child, the, the book and like, you know, music and, and other assets you have. Do you think sometime in the near future, because it's kind of become this fad lately, that there's going to be some type of biopic on television, or is that something you're going to stay away from? I I think that will probably be the national progression. Um, we're certainly having some discussions, but they're early on. We'll we'll see. I I think that would that would be interesting to see. I think um, especially. But then coming, it might. Uh, it, but then it might be instead just my life you know my life uh, growing up in alabama on a dirt road with a with an outhouse uh parents that weren't very educated but entrepreneurs and taught me the entrepreneurial spirit having growing up in the 50s in alabama and never going to a white school being the first uh, one of the first to integrate and being beaten, spit on, electric prodded, uh, having to go to therapy for years because of that trauma, being the first in corporate America, first black, uh, seeing racism on a, and colorism and the impact it's had on society, uh, and then having the success every step of the way, in a big way success, I think, Destiny's Child might be a part of my story, and uh, I'm not sure yet what direction that would be. I think that uh, that would also be fascinating. I think even if I were to sit down and want to have conversations with all the men you you mentioned before, um, Serena Williams' father, uh, Michael Jordan's father, and just the the type of people it takes to not only produce and, and birth these these successful people, but raise them up, keep them. Like you know, steady. Make sure they're they're successful and and well adjusted. And I think there's a there's a story there too. Many lessons. Yeah, I'm I'm contemplating a lot of people. I'm not one to toot my horn. That's never been my personality. But you know, a lot of filmmakers are saying the bitter, the the bigger, better story is my life, which inside of it has Destiny Shaw and my kids in it, obviously. But uh, the uniqueness, uh, the experience that most people uh, haven't of uh, being the first black to do something or one of the first blacks. And I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud and would do those things again, do them in a, again in a heartbeat. And I, I wanted to touch on because you mentioned um, all the, the trauma you went through when you were younger with um, going to school and growing up where you grew up. Um, I, I forget who said it, but um, it was something around the lines of African-Americans in the United States suffer from a form or a level of PTSD. Do you feel like that sort of trauma 
strengthens you, like it, it makes you stronger, or do you feel like it's it's to your detriment and it's something you had to work past? I think every individual is different. Uh, I think it's a number of circumstances that determine that, uh, from an economic, from an uh, educational, um, from a society. I think everybody is different in how they handle that. Um, from their family unit and family heritage, uh, it's all different. Um, but yes, overall, I absolutely think that we have have certainly had trauma as a race of people. Um, and I talk about this, you know, my, my second book, Racism from the Eyes of a Child, uh, talks about the trauma I shared and all those things I just talked about being the first. And uh, my third book, The Emancipation of Slaves Through Music, talks about that journey from Africa and how these Men and women and kids survived those two, two and a half years on a ship, uh, and, and how music saved them and how once they got to America, uh, how music helped them get through this awful dreadful day of, of being a slave. Uh, so yes, uh, absolutely we've, uh, been traumatized and continue to be traumatized. Uh, you know, we've been conditioned also as black people. Uh, we've been conditioned to be jealous of one another. We've been conditioned to hate one another. Uh, we've been conditioned in so many negative ways towards one another, not to do business with one another, to distrust one another. Um, all of those things. And, and unfortunately, social media just is another tool to implement all of those negative behaviors that we were taught going back to slavery. Do you do you think there's a way to possibly counteract that programming? Like jealousy, for instance, how would someone who feels that emotion counteract it to genuinely be happy for the people around them? It's very difficult if you grew up in an environment that you didn't have the economic means uh, and you saw others have opportunities that you didn't have or, you know, that also comes in colorism, uh, how some shades of color uh, get opportunities that other are, and the perception is different. It's about knowledge at the end of the day. It's about knowledge. And I always say that's not always getting a degree. You can get knowledge just by reading a book. I know some people that never went to college uh, that are smart as a whip because they read. And they don't get into the gossip and all of that stuff. It's just how you choose to be and what you choose to be and your family background. You know, I grew up with both of my parents. Uh, my kids grew up with both of their parents. My mother grew up with both of her parents. My grandfather grew up with both of his parents. And the same on my former wife's side. You know, it's, it's a different child that has just that. And then if you have that and you have education, you have financial means, and then the opposite of that would be possibly the person that's envy and jealous. And some might say rightfully so. Uh, but we've got to stop this, this, Somehow, I don't have the, the answers. I certainly don't. 
but hopefully we find a solution to it. And I, I know um, you don't have much more uh, time, so I'll, I'll start wrapping up. Um, you mentioned that you're going to be writing a book on entrepreneurship in the future, which is uh, a subject very, very dear to me. What what advice, if you could just vaguely throw advice at an, an up-and-coming entrepreneur, someone who's working hard towards their goals and they, they need some sort of guidance or, or insight, what could you impart on, on someone like that? I, uh, it's very simple cause, because I teach this. I, I teach entrepreneurship, I uh, have, and have taught media entrepreneurship in grad school. Uh, it's real simple. It's the who, the what, the why. Who is my customer? What is my product? And why should they purchase it? The who, the what, the why. Those are the three fundamental things. See, as a college professor, my classes are uh, packed. I think it's because I keep it fun and I keep it real simple. I don't get complicated. I don't have to prove my word count, uh, word knowledge. It's as simple as the who, the what, the why. All right. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time out to sit down with me. I, I mean, this was very insightful and um, I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Reginald. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Catalyst Case, Sendstroke, Wildhorn Outfitters, and of course, Blue Microphone. This is Reg, and you're listening to Thought Hack.